Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you are the God that reigns. You are Lord of Lord and King of Kings, and your kingdom is here. It always was. It's here now, and it always will be. And we just thank you for the revelation of God revealed in Christ Jesus. And we thank you for the miracle of Christmas and the birth of our Savior and King. And we, we celebrate you. We celebrate you as you are revealed to us in the word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to start a little series entitled The Kingdom, The Kingdom That Was, That Is, and That Is, is to Come. Christmas, Christmas is awesome. Christmas is awesome. I, I enjoy Christmas thoroughly. Um, unfortunately, the busier you get, you've got to actually force yourself to slow down and enjoy, enjoy it. Um, but there was a time where I was a religious uh, um, bah humbug, you know, that uh, I don't know if you know this, but in some circles, Christ, Christmas is a, you know, the, the Christmas tree, you know. You bring that in and you're, you're worshiping a tree. Now, the only time that I'm bowing down before that Christmas tree is when I'm grabbing my gifts. So, but, but we get this idea, we get this idea that, that, these, that there is these, Jesus came to make all things new. Do you know that if there was a pentagram right here in front of the pulpit, some people say, oh, that's horrible. No. I can preach right in the middle of that pentagram. There's no power in those things. There's no power in... Jesus defeated the enemy. Do you know who gives the superstition power? We do. We do. There's no power in that Christmas tree. Jesus redeemed that Christmas tree. Now that Christmas tree reminds me of life everlasting, evergreen, never, never perishing. Life everlasting, filled with the goodness of God. Amen? And that's what the gospel is. The gospel is one big Christmas gift. You, just, you, you, you run out there, and you open it up, and as Pastor Tom taught last week, oh, there's righteousness in this gift. Oh, there's holiness in this gift. Wow, there's the fruit of the Spirit in this gift. Joy, peace, faith. Oh, here's power and authority. That's what the gospel's all about. It's unwrapping all of the things that have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Amen? But I love Christmas. I love Christmas. And one of the reasons I love Christmas is that it is the manifestation of the kingdom of God, the manifestation of the good news of the gospel. The gospel became flesh. And he dwelt among us. See, the gospel isn't a message. It's a person. It's a person. Grace is not a thing. It's a person. His name is Jesus. And we spend a lot of time, we spend a lot of time talking about the resurrection, as we should, because Jesus was the first one born of the dead, begotten back from the dead. And his victory is our victory. His victory is our victory. But how many of you know that you can't have a resurrection if you don't have a death? And if you don't, and if you, 
And you can't have a death without a life. And you can't have a life without a birth. Without a birth. Christmas. Christmas is awesome. Actually, the whole Christian faith hinges on two truths. The whole Christian faith hinges on two truths. First, that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. And second, that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and is alive today, seated at the right hand of God. In Isaiah chapter 9, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. A child was born, but a son was given. Have you ever thought about that? That phrasing? Why, why was it put that way? See, Jesus Christ was born as a child. But he is the eternal one. He is wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. So the son could not be born. He had to be given. Because he is from everlasting he has eternity because eternity itself dwells within him. He is the eternal one. And all that was made was made by him. So the mighty God, the everlasting one, was given and was born as a child. Can you wrap your mind around that? Think about that. What a God. The humility of our God. The government is upon his shoulder. He is the one that gives the cosmos order. He is the one that gives the cosmos order. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And at his name, every knee will bow and tongue confess that truth. How many of you know that you can't be a king without a kingdom? You can't be a king without a kingdom. And his kingdom is from everlasting and has no end. Jesus was born to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God and to free us from the kingdom of darkness and translate us into the kingdom of light. We are born again by the Holy Spirit as children of God by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So his kingdom is here. His kingdom is here. And the question that many people ask is, if his kingdom is here, why is there still darkness? Why is there still darkness? I mean, it's better than it's ever been at any time in human history. But there is still darkness. There's still pain. There's still suffering. There's still chaos. Christmas can stir up many emotions. It can stir up many memories. For some people, it's great joy and, it's, and excitement. For others, it stirs up pain and heartache. But our God is not distant. Our God is not distant. He does not watch our suffering from a galaxy far, far away. But he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is the God that is present 
He is, he is in our rejoicing, and he is the God that is working in the midst of our heartache and tragedy, working to bring light into the darkness, if we will let him. Are you aware of his presence this morning? Are you aware of his presence through the Christmas season? Are you aware of his presence in your life? Are you aware of God and his kingdom? Are you yielding to the king and his kingdom in your life? Because he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And if the kingdom is here, why is there so much pain? That's the question. So much suffering. Why are things the way they are? I don't claim to have all the answers, but thank God I know the one that does. And the answers that I do have have given me great peace. It has given me a foundation. It's given me strength. And my prayer this morning is that as we go through this message, that you too would find peace and strength in these truths. You see, the kingdom is here. But too many people, too many people choose to live their lives without God. I have lived a portion of my life without God. And the things that I regret the most, the ruts in my thinking, the habits created, the, decision, the decisions I made are decisions that I would take back a hundred times over today. They were choices that I made independent of God. Out of relationship with God, out of partnership with the king. But not anymore. To the best of my ability, I have chosen to serve my king, to live in relationship with him, in partnership with him. And I hope that you have too. So why is humanity in the condition that it is in? Well, it started back in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. In the beginning, in the beginning was God. Everybody has to know that. Everybody needs to know that in the beginning was God. God was in the beginning and before the beginning and is the beginning. We need to understand that God is that it it it, it, it is God that separates light from darkness. Only God has the ability to separate light from darkness. And he is the only one that can separate light from darkness in the world today. As children of the king, Jesus wants to teach us how to separate light from darkness in our own lives. As you can see, that creation, the earth, was without form and void and in darkness. The word form there, without form, it literally means Waste 
or wasteland, desert-like, a wilderness. The earth was in a chaotic state. It means in confusion. So the world was in waste. It was a wasteland, a, a wilderness of chaos and confusion. And the word void there means emptiness. It had no order. It had no meaning. It had no purpose. So the earth was without form. It was, empty. It was a wilderness, a wasteland, and chaos, and without and void of purpose, and it was empty. And then God said, then God said, the first thing you need to understand about God is the way he works. So many Christians, so many people do not understand the way that God works. The way he operates, the way he brings light out of darkness, the way he brings beauty out of the ashes is with his word. God is a speaking God. Many don't understand that, but that's how God works, through his word. If you continue to read the creation account, what do you see over and over again? And God said, and God said, and God said, and it was, and it was, and it was. This is how God moves. This is how God works with his word and with his spirit, the two together. And God saw the light that it was good. God saw what he spoke into manifestation and it was good. That word in Hebrew means beauty. God saw the beauty. God saw the beauty. God brought beauty out of the chaos. God brought order out of the chaos. That's what God's word does in the world. God's word accomplishes beauty from the ashes, brings beauty from the ashes. That's what God wants to accomplish in our lives. When we learn to mix faith with the word of God, it always brings order out of chaos and confusion. God's word mixed with faith brings beauty out of any wasteland. We all need to learn how to partner with God in his word. Understanding how God moves by his word, that God's word that is mixed with the, with the spirit in a heart filled with faith. God, is, God has his part to play, and we have our part to play. We have our part in allowing his spirit and word to move in our lives. Many don't understand this, that God has a role, and we have a role. So let's look at this role. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the, all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the face, moves on the earth. When God created man, he crowned him, the Bible says, he crowned him with glory and majesty. See, man is unique of all creation. 
Man is unique of all creation. Mankind is the apex of creation. All creation was made for humanity. Do you know that? In Psalms chapter 8, verse 5, it says, You have made him a little lower than God. In your King James Version Bible, it says, than angels. But if you look at the original Hebrew, it's Elohim. It literally says that you have made man, you have made humanity a little lower than God, and you have crowned him with glory and majesty. Humanity was created a little lower than God, and many times he's gotten the foolish, mistaken idea that he is God. God made us so much like himself that sometimes we mistakenly think that we are God. And that's never a good thing. But we have God. We have a God that created man. And he crowns them with glory and majesty and tells them to take what I have given you and you in your proper dominion and subdue it. Take it into the whole earth, rule and reign over it. And in verse 29 it says, And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is is on the face of the earth. And every tree whose fruit yields seed, it shall be food for food. Also, to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. Verse 31, and then God saw everything that he had made. And indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning was the sixth day. God said that it was very good. It wasn't just good. It was very good. It wasn't just beautiful. It was very beautiful. Don't you love that? Adam and Eve were crowned, was the crown jewel of God's creation and was assigned stewardship and rulership in partnership with God. The revelation is this revelation is vital to understanding the kingdom that was and is and is to come. Because the kingdom is here, saints. The kingdom is here. Because pe- this this confuses people. If the kingdom is here, why are all, are there all these wars? If the kingdom is here, how come all this pain? How come all this heartache? Why is there still destruction and darkness in the world? It's because this kingdom is like no other kingdom. And this king is like no other king. This kingdom is not like any other kingdom that we have ever seen or known. This king is not like any king that could be compared to in humanity. Because this king not only loves his friends, but he loves his enemies. We have a king that not only loves those that love him, but he loves those that hate him. Another, we can't wrap our Minds around that. See, Adam was given stewardship and rulership and partnership with God in the earth. 
And do you understand that you have been given stewardship and rulership and partnership with God in your life? Many people today blame God when bad things happen in the world. Many blame God when sickness is in the world. When there is darkness, where is God in the pain and confusion? See, many in the church don't understand the dominion that we have, the authority that we have been given, taking the word of God with the spirit of God and mixing it with faith and partnering with God in the earth. Why do bad things happen? They happen because of choices. Not because of God, because of choices. Somewhere along the line, someone made a choice to do evil. God is not guilty. God is not at fault. God is bringing beauty out of the ashes. He's bringing beauty out of the ashes. God is the one that shines the light into the darkness. See, there was a gardener. There was a gardener in Eden, in paradise. See, Adam and Eve were given a job to do. They were given a job to be a gardener of God's creation. He was to take the beauty and the order of God's creation into the whole world from that garden. If you go back and read the creation account, you see that the garden had borders. There was a perimeter. So the rest of the world needed to be brought into that government, into that order, from chaos into beauty. But in Genesis chapter 3, we see that Adam fell, and he decided to live, live life independent from God's kingdom, rejecting partnership with God and mistakenly believing that he was God and that he could be like God independently from God. And don't be so hard on Adam, because we've all done that. We've all thought that we could live our lives independent from God. We all thought that we could live our life independent from the truth, the word of God. We all thought that we could create a utopia independent from the God that brings beauty out of ashes. Adam's fall brought darkness, waste, and chaos into our world which humanity is still dealing with unto this day. He brought another kingdom in which men's hearts are without form and void and darkness was on the face of their souls. Humanity needed a new genesis. And Jesus Christ, what we call Christmas, is that new beginning. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We needed a new Genesis. If you explore the original creation, if you explore the original creation in light of the revelation of the New Testament, you will discover that everything in the visible creation was an image of Jesus. For example, in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. 
And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there is no end. Verse 34, then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered her and said to, answered and said to her, "The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that one, that holy one who is to be born, will be called the Son of God." Then Mary said, "Behold, the maid servant of the Lord. Let it be done according to your word." Do you see the imagery of this? Do you see the imagery? Just as the earth was without form, a wasteland, a wilderness full of chaos and confusion, the, a world that was void, empty of purpose, meaning, and destiny full of darkness, a darkness that covered the face of the deep, so too, due to the fall, humanity's hearts were without form, full of chaos and confusion, a wasteland void of all their created purpose and destiny darkened by the dominion of the enemy and lost to the deceitfulness of sin. But God, but God, but God spoke into the darkness and brought forth light, the light that was promised of the prophets of old. He, the, just like the Holy Spirit was brooding over the face of the deep, it says that Mary's womb, the Holy Spirit, would conceive and bring forth the Holy One. He would bring light into the darkness. And Mary said, let it be done according to your word. But this is what the, the prophets of old have said. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, it says, the people who walked in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of darkness, a light will shine. Isaiah seen our new beginning. He's seen the light that would come into the world and bring humanity's regenesis, if that's a name, a word. I don't know. In John, look at this, look at this. In John chapter 1, verse 5, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines into the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Jesus is the light that has come into the world. Jesus is the illumination of the kingdom that was, that is, and is to come. In Jesus, the entire cosmos is written. That which came forth from the lungs of God when, he, when the words were spoken into existence was Jesus. The entire universe, the entire universe bears his imprint. 
The whole created order was created by, in, through, and for Christ. And now the whole creation groans for Jesus to deliver it from the bondage of corruption and fill it with his beauty once again. Jesus is the new creation, bringing order to the chaos, beauty from the ashes, a light displacing all darkness. In John chapter 1, it continues in verse 10. He says, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Christ was the firstborn of all, the firstborn to appear in creation. All things visible and invisible were created by him, through him, to him, and for him. He is the originator as well as the goal, the beginning and the end. What an incredible king we have. What a kingdom that we get the privilege of living in. Christ is all in all. He is the Alpha and the Omega. This truth, this truth of the universe contained in Christ would spin the, the head of Hawkins, Dawkins, and Darwin. With all the wisdom that we claim to have. Think about this. I'll probably share this some other day. That the depths and the riches of the wisdom of Christ, to the revelation that is in Christ alone. We, we, just to, to compare it to something, it's like what we know about the ocean. We haven't explored even a, a very small percentage of the oceans. Christ is like that ocean. We haven't even scratched the surface of exploring the depths of his beauty, wisdom, and glory. And we are nothing more than a bottle, a bottle floating in that ocean. But here is the mystery of God. Here is the mystery of God. Not only are we a bottle floating in that ocean, but that ocean is in the bottle. That's the mystery of God hidden from the ages. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that's the great mystery. The great mystery is that we can be found in him. We can become children of God, it says, not of the flesh, but of God. The gardener, we, we, we've seen that humanity, Adam, was given a job to do, to be, to be a gardener. And he took the beauty and brought it into chaos. Where the first Adam plunged the world in, from beauty into chaos, the second Adam has restored beauty from chaos. The first man, Adam, 
became a living being, the word says. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. In Romans chapter 5, verse 17, it says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, speaking of Adam, much more, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Check this out. In John chapter 20, verse 11, it says, But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet of the body of, of where the body of Jesus lay. And I'm not going to get into all this, but this is this is all imagery. This is imagery. Do you remember the, the tabernacle? Inside the tab- tabernacle was the Ark of the Covenant, and what covered each end of the covenant, cherubims, and Jesus in between was the mercy seat. Jesus is our mercy seat. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Sometimes maybe God wants to say that to us. Why are you weeping? Why aren't you joyful? What's your problem? Don't you know what's happened? Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she said, now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She supposed to be, him to be a gardener and said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. Verse 15, she supposed he was a what? A gardener. The first person, Mary Magdalene, to see the Lord after his resurrection. And the first revelation that an individual had after seeing Jesus Christ after his resurrection was that he looked like a gardener. Why did he look like a gardener? Because he is the gardener of the new creation of God. The new heaven, the new earth, the new kingdom, the new family of God. He is the second man, the last Adam, that is now the gardener of the heart that will yield to him. The gardener of the life that will yield to him. The gardener of our marriages, if we will let him. The gardener of our families, if we we will let him. The gardener of our finances, if we will let him. The gardener of our church, if we will let him. The gardener of our community, if we will let him. The gardener of our nation, if we will let him. The gardener of the world, if it will let him. Jesus, the second man, the last Adam, full of grace and truth. Why are there pockets of darkness? Why is there heartache and suffering? Because light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. 
But Jesus has brought order to my life. Jesus has brought an order to my life. He's brought in light where there was darkness. He brought a new gener- genesis, in, a regenesis in my life, a new beginning, and into my world. And he can do the same for you. And many of you have testimonies of that he has done that and is continuing to do that. He's still the gardener of your soul. God is bringing beauty out of ashes and shining his light through his children, you and me, declaring the kingdom, the kingdom of God. We get to shine his light into the world, into the darkness. We, need, we get to be part of, of him. We get to take this new creation and spread it throughout the world. This is why Christmas is a celebration. It's a celebration that's worthy of all creation. Because in its manifestation, in in it, its manifestation of the good news of the kingdom that was, that is, and is to come. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that we thank you for being so amazing. We thank you that when you could fold it up, this whole creation, like a piece of paper, and throw it in the trash, that love came down. You chose to redeem. You chose to recreate. You chose to speak into the darkness and bring beauty out of the ashes. You chose to speak into the darkness and bring order out of the chaos. And Heavenly Father, we just thank you that as we yield to you, as we partner with you, We bring order out of chaos. We bring light into the darkness. We bring beauty out of the ashes. Heavenly Father, we just ask that the Holy Spirit would continue to reveal that mystery of Christ in us, the hope of glory. That he would reveal to us the true nature that lives within us. That we would no longer see ourselves as the way that the world has tried to conform us and mold us, but we would be transformed into the image and the revelation through the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you that during this Christmas season, we don't have to have our heads down. We don't have to think about the pain and the heartache, but we can see, we can look, we can yield to you that is desiring to bring beauty out of the ashes, order out of the chaos, and light into our dark world. We just love you, we praise you, and we worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church.
You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.